Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Greetings, fellow Fordians, and welcome to another episode of Investigating the Impossible with Tobias and Emily. As always, I'm Emily. And I'm still Tobias. And today we have Mark and Deanna Erskine with us of Cryptids and Crystals on Instagram. So welcome to the show, Deanna and Mark. Hey. Hi, thank you for having us. Well, thanks for being here. You know, um, a couple of fellow uh, Haunted America alums, you know, is it, it's always a, a pleasure to, to speak to anybody, you know, who's a part of that conference. So, oh, yeah. So that's exciting. And then, of course, you know, what you guys do is uh, is very exciting as well. Right. So we just met Mark and Deanna this past Haunted America, July 2021, and they had the most fantastic Ouija board collection. So obviously, are we saying that right? By, is it Ouija or, or Ouija? Yeah, is it, was, was it Ouija, Ouija? I, I honestly don't know. Well, originally it started out as Ouija, but over time, as things progress in society and culture, Ouija is also now acceptable. Nice. I've been saying it correct all along then, and people have corrected me because I always said Ouija because <laughs> it looked like the French and German words for yes. And I was like, I don't know how else you would pronounce this. I'm going with we oui and ya. So, okay. Fantastic. Sorry to interrupt. I think I started with Ouija, and I uh, I said that for years. And Same. Like, yeah, now when people, I see people say Ouija, I'm just like, oh, that's, that's, that's normal. Fine. I don't yeah. even know. I, I go back and forth sometimes when I say Ouija and Ouija, so uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's no criticism either way for me. I think oh, that totally. happens with a lot of things. It's like the telephone effect. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we always like to start this show by asking... How did you get into this? Why weird stuff? So how did you get into the paranormal? And then we can talk about your collection in a minute. So how did you go go first? (laughs) Oh, well, I, uh, I guess I kind of grew up with it. Um, I have noticed that there's this running theme that a lot of people involved in this community have, and it is, they grew up with something that affected them as kids, whether it was a haunted house or they saw something they couldn't explain growing up and it stuck with them. And that has just led to a lifelong fascination and that is partly why I have, I guess, kept it close to me all these years. Um, sure, so now you've you had experiences yourself growing up. Um, would you mind uh, sharing with us some of the, the phenomena that you experienced? Well, I do. I have. Oh, we'd be here for hours. <laughs> you, you can <laughs> give us like the the Cliff's notes, right? <laughs> well, I do. I actually uh, one of my I submitted to the feminine macabre, and a couple of those experiences are in my submission. And there were the knocks, there were the shadows, there was the lights. I don't know why, but we had a a Chicago-style bungalow house, and more often than I would have liked, something would not walk down the stairs, but full bolt down the stairs, and just scare the crap out of you. Um, my brother and I had a bedroom that we occupied at different times throughout our childhood, and as we got older, we both realized we saw and experienced the same things in the same bedroom, even though it was not, we were not in the same bedroom at the same time. 
and these experiences happened years apart. Uh, another experience is I almost drowned in the pool and I watched it happen, which was something I didn't think anything of until I got older and realized that other people have had these near-death experiences. And so when you say and that you, you, you watched it happen, um, is that to say that you watched it happen from outside of your, your body, seemingly? So I, we had a, an above-ground pool, and there was a pool tube in there that was way too big for this pool. And back in the early 90s, they still had inflatables in kids' suits, which you know nowadays are extremely, extremely dangerous. I think I had one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and my older brother, he's seven years older than me, he was playing in the pool with his friend and they did not notice that I disappeared. And I had become trapped under the large inflatable tube, which was a solid color and they just didn't see. And then I remember being under the water and feeling very heavy. And then the corners of my vision went dark from the outside. And then suddenly I was laying under myself, which sounds strange, but it was almost like I was four feet under myself. And I don't even know if the pool was that deep, watching myself struggle. And I remember how the water looked like filtering through my hair. And I remember watching just moving and I wasn't scared in the moment I was just like okay well what is going on I don't remember having actually any emotions at all and then uh, I saw someone grab my ankle and then suddenly I was no longer on the bottom of the pool from my point of view I was standing on the outside of the pool and I watched my dad grab me out of the pool and run down the pool ladder I guess holding me and then he laid me on the ground and started doing CPR as I stood and watched from a different perspective. That's, I mean, I read this in The Feminine Macabre and it... Right. Well, I mean, so did I, but... But, yeah, yeah, but, like, it's just so... Hearing it in person, like, not in person, but hearing you say it is just really... It's it's very powerful. Yeah, that that must have been a very impactful experience. Now, what is uh, is interesting to me, um, actually hearing that, is... When this experience happened, right, so you know, you're basically drowning and your consciousness is, is outside of your body. And now most of the time when you hear about uh, near-death experiences, you'll hear about people floating above their, their, their body, right? But in this case, so you're underneath your, your, your body. And the first thing I, I, I thought of was, well, what if the reason for that is you've got this opaque you know, tube over you. And so to better sort of like observe your experience, you know, you couldn't have done that from up above. So instead of floating above, you've got it floating down down beneath. Like that's just such an interesting yeah. detail to me, you know, as a researcher and an investigator. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it, it makes it sound even, even, even more credible, frankly. Oh yeah! Like that's just that's just just such a fascinating little detail. So, but um, yeah, wow! Thank you for for sharing that with us. Obviously, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure that was a a, a very powerful, like Emily said, uh, experience for you. Yeah. Um, and then you know, uh, along with all of the other things that you had experienced as a child, um, you know, the the shadows mm-hmm. and the, the the lights, everything else. And I'm curious, actually, now when you say uh, lights. Um, 
could you could you go into a little more detail because there are a number of different anomalous you know light phenomena that 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 people report and i'm just i'm just personally curious i i, I guess sort of what uh, what form that took for you uh, a lot of the time they were blue very pale blue flashes where they'd zip around or that kind of thing but really with the lights it what i meant earlier is the lights would be on and off oh i see off in front of you sure okay i got you Um, well that's why i have to ask you know because if i just assume it's one thing or 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 the other i'll be completely wrong you know almost every time so okay wow well very very interesting stuff um what about mark yeah mark what do you what do you (laughs) what do you have to say why why weird stuff um well i've always kind of been drawn to it i had your typical christian upbringing uh and so anytime uh i was interested in like so let's say go go to the book fair with like my mom and i'd pick out these cool little books like a cult books i would think they were you know something they were cult based obviously uh and she would be like well you know you can't can't get something like that because you know can't have satan bringing satan into the house and stuff like that because they were just so uh, it's such like a Christian way of thinking that uh, you know if it's not something they you can prove or whatever it's you know it's it's uh it's, it's too scary for them. So sure. I uh, I kind of I did my uh, sleuthing into the occult kind of in secrecy through most of my child pretty much all of my childhood and then that was once I was able to get out of kind of on my own I could really embrace it and uh, it truly didn't take. Uh, I mean, I've always was big into ghost hunting and go watching every ghost show I could possibly find. Um, and just because I was so just intrigued by it. Um, and it wasn't really until I met Deanna, actually, where I was able to really embrace it because she, you know, she had that kind of a background and she was interested in it. And I think when we first met, we kind of were like, we tiptoed around it just because we were like, because the way most people see it is like, uh, the weirdos were into like death and whatever and the macabre and it's like it's <laughs> but it's not really that but either way so we tiptoed around it for a while uh, and uh, but eventually it all opened up and it was like yeah I, I love this stuff and it's like oh my god so do I and it was just it kind of blew up and uh, and we actually went on uh, one of our uh, ghost we went on a ghost hunt the very first one I ever went on because I, I watched a million of them off between every show you could possibly think of back then and uh but i never got to go on one and she took me on my first ghost hunt because she had uh, she actually had equipment and stuff and so i we got to go and i mean i was kind of terrified and also it was just it was, it was honestly it felt like it was like life-changing it was one of the it was such a great surreal moment and uh that i got to do this and it was just the doors opened after that and i was just i couldn't get enough of it and ever since then, it's just the more the more things I see and can you know wrap, wrap around myself, I I do the, you know the more the better, and I just it's, it's been great. So uh, that's kind of how I got into the weird. Sure. And it's always been something that's just truly that's what I'm drawn to. I and uh, yeah, it's just it, it's picked me. I think. Sure, sure. Well, you know, not not everybody grows up having their own paranormal experiences um you know certainly not not everybody who is 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 even in this this industry uh professionally you know lots of people just sort of have a curious mind and Mm -hmm. uh and and well i think especially too people raised in 
uh, religious households, um, you know, there there is always this element of you know spirituality present and sort of this sense of of uh, the the other world. And so I, I think that there is a predisposition there to be open-minded towards you know spiritual matters or or things that might ex uh, uh, seemingly exist outside of the the scientific consensus. So um, I I think that makes plenty of sense, honestly. Oh now, yeah. Now we can get into the the uh, Ouija boards, if if that's okay. Now, is that something that you guys have always done together? Is that something that that one of you did before you met, or or how how did you get into that? Uh, well, the we grew up with a wooden board. There was a wooden board in my family, mm. and it was lost by the time I came became interested enough to research about them and learn the history but it had to have been pre-1930s so even though I was much more weary about them then than I am now I was always very interested however this collection blossomed after we were married this is something Mark and I did together we're very big into thrifting and going to uh, Goodwill's and antique shops, that kind of thing. And we have, between those and piecing them together with things we are able to get offline or from garage sales, this is how the collection became what it is. Sure, and, and you write a little bit uh, about the reaction that you get sometimes when purchasing uh, these, <laughs> these Ouija boards. Now, you, like, uh, you you mention it in the the feminine macabre. So what is what generally is the 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 reaction if if you get one uh, from someone you know from whom you are purchasing a a Ouija board? I think there there's never not been a time uh, where I've when we've found one in Goodwill and we've rescued it from the shelves of Goodwill uh, that when we were going to the purchase uh, at the at the counter they've someone's told us that that's terrifying you know don't do don't use those you're gonna let the devil in your home and i actually had one guy tell me that uh, it actually ruined his life and that's why he's working there because it's ruined his life and he had he had all these dreams but the ouija board ruined it and uh i was like oh i'm so sorry he's like so he's like don't 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 buy this like, i'm supposed to i'm not supposed to have it i can't trade out buying this so i was like it's okay it's only be my something forward it's okay <laughs> i promise i'll take care of them uh but uh it's honestly it's when i go to when we go to buy them and in stores like that i feel it's the most they're the most traumatized yeah sometimes they don't even touch them they want you to hold it so they can scan it yeah. and just not touch them at all that is fascinating. Yeah. So, where, like, where yeah. are, are are you getting these generally? Like, you mentioned Goodwill. So, is it is it mostly through thrifting? A lot of it is thrifting. Uh, there's some uh, online purchases from auction sites or things like Marketplace, mm -hmm. Craigslist, that kind of thing. A lot of garage sales, even Facebook groups, because a lot of people don't want them. They do not want them. That is interesting. And so, I mean, are there any... Because I'm fascinated by the, the, the idea that something like a, a Ouija board could, could ruin someone's life. Like, you know, I've, I've, I've got a couple my, myself. I've got a, a vintage one from mid-century. And then I, the, my, my pride and joy, of course, is my, uh, my Elvira 
like talking board that I got oh, at Haunted nice. America last year. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just I, I can't imagine necessarily how that would ruin my life. So like what kinds of experiences are these people saying, you know, in, in, in terms of how these uh, these otherwise inanimate objects have have just ruined their entire life? Yeah, oh, who knows? Well, I don't know. I've read, I've read a couple of those books where it's the Ouija, where they say, like, oh, the Ouija horror stories and stuff like that. And, uh, I mean, some of them, it's like, somehow, I don't know, 50% of these people have become possessed or have or an oppression <laughs> uh, in that moment. And they, I don't know, I think bite themselves or do some weird, crazy things. And then it, it's somehow, I mean, it's so triggering in that moment. I don't know if it's due to... Is it due to an oppression from some spirit or entity, or is it due to just the the mood of the room and they're all scared? And and are you are, do you feel the like uh, you, you, something's happening to you and you you roll with it? I don't I don't I'm not sure. I don't believe that Ouija boards are inherently evil tools of the devil, but uh, I feel like some of the stories are just you know it ends in half half of them end in the burning the boards or. You know, trying to find, you know, it's getting rid of them in some respect. Most of it, they're, they're destroyed. So hmm. I'm not sure how these these things happen. It's psychosomatic, in most cases, I would say. Interesting. Well, that yeah, because that that, that kind of leads into my next question. Then is you know, how do you think? Like, assuming that that they do, how do you think uh, Ouija boards work? You know, I mean, like what. And, and, and is that sort of tied into how people perceive them as, as these dangerous objects? Mm-hmm. Well, a few years ago, the Talking Board Historical Society members got together with a group of scientists and finally tried to figure this out. And what became of that was through the use of uh, sensors and a camera that was worn over the eyes, if I can remember correctly, it monitored the person's eye movements before the planchette moved across the board. And essentially what they found out was subconscious movements, whether you realize you're doing it or not, you're moving it. And your eyes will always go to the letter of the number before your hand moves the planchette there. Interesting. And it is called the ideomotor effect. And I think between that and then, you know, pop culture and the uh, horror stories, religious stigmas, and then, you know, heightened fear when you're playing with it with your friends and it's dark, you got a candle burning, you psych yourself out and you do not realize you're doing this, but it is actually you. And I've had many people argue against us, saying, no, they know what they saw. And I, I believe them, that they believe what they saw is, is real, because I'm sure it is scary when you don't understand. Right. No, that, I mean, I, that's something that, that I had heard, um, you know, sort of like that. And uh, I think something similar is, is used to explain you know, dowsing rods, pendulums, yeah. sort of anything mm-hmm. that, that relies mm-hmm. on, on, you know, a person holding it to work. And what's interesting about that to me is I think that a believer could make the argument that um, if they are moving it, then they, you know, it's possible that they're sort of channeling a spirit or a spirit is working through them 
to to mm-hmm. direct where the the uh, the the planchette goes, which to me makes a lot more sense than you know some disincarnate consciousness capable of producing the amount of force necessary to move something as light as relatively light as a, a small piece of wood or, or plastic frankly because even that would take a you know a pretty significant amount of, of force I, I would think mm-hmm. if you didn't have a body so yeah I mean and, 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 and I wonder and I, I, I want to get you know you you guys's uh, opinion on this but I, I wonder then if uh, the idea of someone you know channeling a spirit through themselves contributes to the 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 fear about you know talking boards um, as as these dangerous objects because then you're sort of inviting something into yourself and uh, and and you know obviously there's right. a lot of anxiety I think uh, around those types of um, occult or, or paranormal activities. Oh, no, I was gonna say this is kind of where Deanna and I differ just a little bit. Where she thinks, you know, or you know, she a lot of it is science based and it's the ocular motor or the idea motor uh, movement and stuff with the eyes. Uh, and whereas I, I think it's a lot of that. I think if uh, two people are going and sitting down and playing with the Ouija board, I think a lot of that. If they're just like trying to talk to anything and they're just trying to do this as a scientific experiment I, and not really opening themselves up to it. I think that could be all I do honor uh, effect where, but I do feel that it is also has potential to be an instrument where that opens you up. I mean, some people are inherently sensitive and, um, and, and kind of in tune, even if they don't know they are not. I think that's why like, you know, kids are playing Ouija board at a slumber party or whatever. And that is some, sometimes they become like oppressed or, or, or possessed for you know, for moments in time. I feel that they, they, they did, maybe they didn't know that they were, sensitive uh to maybe that the aspect of the ghost realm or something and but using the ouija board maybe help open that open them up to it and using it as a tool not necessarily that the ouija board is doing it but it's opening them as a using them as the vessel instead of the board sure yeah, yeah. that's an interesting theory for sure right well that's 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 what i was talking about basically mm-hmm. i i just wonder if um that that uh, that aspect of it doesn't make it seem more dangerous to people. Like, for instance, if uh, if one is communicating with uh, a spirit, say through a spirit box or, or or something, you know, you're not really inviting them to communicate through you. They're communicating through this this object that you know is is sort of safely separate from you. And so, you know, once you are sort of inviting this, this spirit uh, into yourself, I, I think it plays on people's uh, fear of things like uh, possession. Like, for instance, you know, if you're from a, a religious background, you're going to be very familiar with the idea of uh, possession. I mean, it's represented throughout the, the, the Bible. Every Abrahamic uh, religion has, you know, plenty of stories of people being possessed by by entities, um, and it's never good. Yeah. So yeah, just I mean, demons I could, in general. Sure. Yeah. Ab- ab- mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, I, I I think that's that's super interesting. But now, Deanna, you think that it's 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 just likely all to be this this uh, this uh, what was it? Idiomotor uh, effect? Did I say that? Yeah, right? the scientific idiomotor effect. Idiomotor yeah. effect. Okay, great. So I think I think it really depends because if I say black and white boards, it's all 
the person, it's all, there's an explanation behind it, then I'd also have to attribute things like spirit boxes or an ovulus to work the same way. Well, it's, it's just chance mm-hmm. because this is what it's programmed with or this is what, you know, it's kind of like a pareidolia, mm-hmm. but it's audio pareidolia when you're using the spirit box. You're picking up things which make sense to you. Sure. But it's not what's actually being said. So if I if I say a board is black and white, then those two have to be black and white. And the thing is, I obviously believe in various paranormal things, and I do paranormal investigating. So I know there's something with that. Mm-hmm. I witnessed, you know, multiple things. I've had multiple experiences, and I, I guess. It wouldn't be fair if I said 100% boards are not real. Mm. However, I know if I use one because I don't believe in it, there will be no results with it. So very much so depends on the person. See, now that's a really interesting concept. Could you uh, just expound on that a little? So when you say that because you don't believe it, it won't work, like... What 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 mechanism is uh, is is at play there? I guess the power of thought. I don't know. Well, you you get. I have investigated with many different kinds of people mm. with many different belief systems and many different methods at play. And you will always, if you have a big enough group and you don't know the people very well, you will get someone that thinks they're possessed every two seconds or picking up on something. <laughs> or, yeah. You know, sure. they're whipping a, a pendulum around in a circle, asking the spirits, you know, questions, and they're they're terrified, and they're running in and out of rooms, and then you'll have someone else that's just like, nothing's happening. And, you know, on the other hand, you could be the person that has felt like they have experienced amazing things that evening. So many unexplainable things, like you're blown away, and you'll have someone else that you're in a group with who's like it was dead it was boring nothing happened interesting yeah i mean i i, I think we've certainly experienced, experienced that, that our, yeah. ourselves you know um yeah i and i've 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 definitely seen that you know i we've we've been on in investigations ourselves where you know um like you said people are kind of freaking out and, and meanwhile i'm i'm ready to curl up in the corner and go to sleep um so yeah it's mm-hmm. uh it 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 definitely happens in you know what's interesting to me about that and and i think sort of what what we're dancing uh, around here a little is the uh the interplay of you know human consciousness and the 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 paranormal you know and sort of how we have to i think um sort of reconcile uh, uh how a disincarnate entity would be capable of communicating with, uh, you know, a, a, a physical body, right? Um, not that we're just a, a physical body necessarily. I, I, I don't know that, but you know, so there has to be some sort of, of, of mechanism. So I think you have to start thinking about what a disincarnate entity is, what mm-hmm. it would be, you know, composed of. If it is sort of this being of, of pure consciousness, how might it communicate with us? And and I think if it's sort of communicating individually, you know 
directly you know, through consciousness, then you know you may you might even have a, a situation where one or, or two people out of a out of a group might be capable of, of experiencing it when you know nobody else is is, right. is really unfortunately mm-hmm. experiencing anything at all. Um, and and I wonder too then if that might not apply towards certain tools, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think of sort of that. Um, that that consciousness connection you know when it comes to like ouija boards right um you know so if uh if if you're sort of communicating through that medium of of consciousness you know so and it might even be you know like you're not necessarily doing it in a way that that you're aware of even you know you've sort of got this this uh this spirit or or whatever you want to call it with you that is sort of telling your hands to go here or there um then you know maybe maybe that's possible now here i guess is is the question there have you ever seen um any incident of a a ouija board message received that the that the uh, recipient themselves couldn't have already known ahead of time because i feel like that's what you would need right right yeah um i guess a lot of it is you really have to trust the person. You have to trust the person. You have to trust their word that what is being said or interpreted is true. And it could just be only true to them. It could be mm-hmm. their specific truth. And a lot of the time, which is how we got words to begin with, you know, um, all a lot of these tools in paranormal investigating stem from the spiritualism movement in the 1800s and spiritualism kicks off every time there is a sudden mass loss of human life so wars famine disease that kind of thing and there's sometimes people just will look for any little thing as a sign because they're desperate to make that connection Mm -hmm. because they need it for themselves for their healing Oh, yeah. And uh, I think a lot of it possibly stems from that or even their own fears and anxieties about what happens when they die. Mm-hmm. Oh, They're looking I, for, absolutely. I mean, our culture is so for, afraid of death. So afraid of death. Yes. Sure. Well, I, there's a famous uh, historical example like within spiritualism you know so everybody's probably familiar with sir arthur conan doyle the the uh, the author came mm. up with uh, sherlock holmes well he had a son who died in the the, the great war and became um this uh the, this proponent of of spiritualism mm-hmm. after that you know um so you know it's, it's one thing to sort of think of it in terms of of this this mass movement but yeah i mean you can really dig into to into individual stories to oh, see yeah. that what deanna is saying is is absolutely correct right for sure so with that being said and i know we talked about this a little bit in our conversations when we were setting up this episode so you got into this because of some losses of your own correct that's right um so you know there was always an interest in the unexplainable and the unknown by a little bit of what I shared with mm-hmm. childhood childhood experiences. However, by the time I was 15, I had already lost almost half of core family members in my life. Wow. My yeah. older sister had passed away and my mother had passed away. 
And then, unfortunately, while uh, right after I submitted my um, my submission to the feminine macabre, and while it, the, it was under the editing process, I think, before it was printed, mm-hmm. my adoptive father passed away. Wow, that's and, uh, that's, uh, that's terrible. He's actually the one that he's actually the one that pulled me out of the pool. Wow. I mean, obviously, we, we couldn't be sorrier to hear exactly. that. Exactly. And, and there, you know, there was a, a dedication in the, the feminine yeah. macabre yeah. that, that, that made it. Honestly, end. bless Amanda's heart. She did not have to do that. And I, it has been a really long time since I've moved, been moved by such an act of kindness because she didn't have to do that. Yeah. She, was, a, she sent me a, a plant and checked up on me through everything. Wow. And it was just... Mm. She's she's amazing. She is a wonderful person. We, yeah, she is a she is a, a a friend of ours. And, we wholeheartedly and we agree. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So, absolutely. so that's you know, there's a mix between growing up with unexplainable things and suddenly being a kid without half your family. Right. You get a I guess a greater appreciation for others trying to make that connection because you really truly don't understand it until you have experienced significant loss absolutely so um, is 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 that something that um you use to try to help people so for instance when you're doing a, a paranormal investigation or, or something have you ever uh, uh sort of used that as as motivation to try to help someone communicate or or anything just anything of along those lines i'm i guess i'm just kind of curious sort of how that um how how that experience has uh has colored um your your personal investigations going forward it let me see how to phrase this it has definitely made me more empathetic toward the person affected by quote-unquote hauntings Mm -hmm. or who believe that their you know their brother that passed away is is still here and these are the signs that he's leaving you know their loved ones that are that are still around because i've noticed that there's a lot of when someone shares that oh my gosh i think you know my departed loved one is trying to make contact people make a mockery of them Mm-hmm. They don't take it seriously, and they, you know, they just go, "Oh, that's not your brother; that's a demon." And it's how would your brother be in this building? You've never even, you've been real yeah. associated with it anyways, but it's. But you really have to stop and ask yourself: Is that really what that person needs to hear right now? How are you helping them by calling them crazy or not? I guess just letting them do it with what they need to do to heal um and i think if you kind of expand your mind a little bit and maybe accept the possibilities that you know maybe if so-and-so's brother did pass away and they're they're saying hey you know this is really weird we're investigating this building that he's never been to but i think he's he's you know making contact that it's possible who says that spirits are bound to a certain place if you're opening yourself up to that who could you call to you since you're listening sure i i think that makes a lot of sense actually we don't really know enough about 
know, life after death or, or human consciousness um, or, you know, anything about disincarnate consciousness uh, to be able to say for certain what form it would take, um, its, its limitations. Um, so ab absolutely. And, you know, I'm very much on board with that philosophy um, you know, I personally, I, I, I like to call it uh, professional, or I'm sorry, compassionate professionalism, um, because you're absolutely right. Like, there's nothing to be gained by telling somebody that this idea that they find comforting isn't true, especially if you don't know whether it's true or not. You know, I feel like, um, you, and you see this a lot in, in investigation, which you you know really are uh, already touched on. But I, I will reemphasize for everybody listening: you do see this a lot where people forget that what we're dealing with are are human beings um, mm -hmm. having human experiences, and oftentimes these experiences um, are are um, affected by, come out of, or sometimes even cause a certain level of trauma. And um, we sort of have a duty, I think, or a responsibility to treat people compassionately in these endeavors. And, and it's, it's nice to hear, um, you know, other people haven't lost sight of that. And it's, it's wonderful for me to hear that. Uh, you know, I, I actually have an, an incident of that that happened in, in my own life. And I, I, I like to bring it up sometimes because it, it, it sort of illustrates what, what we're talking about here specifically. So... You know, I had always seen uh, shadow people in my parents' house growing up, and I remember a couple of years ago, um, my my sister had come to me, and and this is after you know I had I had already started writing, and and you know I'd been in documentaries and things, and so like my family was aware of of, of what I did, and so my my sister mentioned to me like, hey, I, I saw this this uh, shadow person in our our living room. And I think it was, you know, grandma coming back to, to check on me. Um, you know, that certainly had not been my experience with, <laughs> with, with any shadow people in our, our, our house. Um, and, and I had no reason to believe that, you know, that was our grandmother or she would take that shape or, or anything else. But at the same time, I wasn't going to tell my sister that. You know, obviously that was, I think, an idea born out of out of grief on some level. Oh, yeah. So. It was very much, um, you know, me going, hey, maybe, I guess, you know, like you, you never know, right? Um, because, yeah, like what, what, what would have been the alternative, you know, just, mm -hmm. just being a dick to my sister, like nobody, <laughs> <laughs> nobody wins there, trust me. So, uh, yeah, I just, I, I, I can't say enough how much I respect and, uh, and, and enjoy hearing that, that point of view, so yeah absolutely Amazing. well let's see i think that we're nearing the end of of what has been a fascinating a, yeah well fascinating yes i was going to say a, a joy of a, a conversation honestly um and so you know because i i i can dominate the question asking a, a little <laughs> bit when we get to the the end of these i always like to check in with emily and make sure that you know it, that she doesn't have any any further questions or anything else that she wanted to add to the the conversation. So I'm trying to remember, like when we talked before the episode, I thought I recall you, and if correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought I recall you saying you don't use your boards. And I we obviously we know your position on how they work and all that, but um, do you have a 
pretty solid answer to why you don't use them in investigations because obviously you started when this collection when you're searching for something so what led you to not use them well uh, as far as investigating uh, i think there's just there's way better devices now than a ouija board where there's just so much uh there's so much error that can be you know it could be someone moving their hands around it could be someone goofing around even if mm-hmm. or just you know secretly trying to do something I think that you know, with, with the more digital, like digital equipment, like REM pods and K twos that measure uh, EMF, and uh, you have uh, you know just the different measurements of that in a printed in a provable scientific scientific form. I think that just it makes uh, ghost hunting, I think, feel more. Uh, you get more like solidified answers when you use that kind of equipment. Whereas a Ouija board is that can be very fun and it can get a lot of people intrigued and you know into it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that those are accurate answers or or even real answers. It could just be someone goofing around, or so because there's so much error involved with multiple people. Each each individual person added in that's another margin of error mm-hmm. that adds to the answers. So. Uh, that's that's one of the main reasons we don't use them. Uh, they are a novelty in most people's eyes. A lot of people don't like them. Uh, so if you're a group of twenty something, you know, twenty plus people, something like that, a few people will just be could be just utterly terrified. Uh, whether or not they had an experience or not, uh, they don't even want to be in the same building as a Ouija no. board. So, uh, which I find like really funny at the Haunted America conference that people are you see our, our display. They keep asking us questions, but they're compl- so terrified they don't even want to be anywhere near it. But they want to talk about it. It's it's it's, it's kind of funny. <laughs> um, so that's why that's mainly the reason we don't use them because there's just so much better equipment and, yeah. and sure. we try to have a piece of every equipment. I feel like so. And it's probably you know when spiritualism was in full swing, they used what they had. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. that that's what they had aside from pen and paper and then the human being themselves that's what they had sure right yeah oh, that which brings up another fascinating uh spirit communication method that we did not get into but automatic writing so yeah which probably or very well could work sort of along the same lines as as uh uh, uh ouija boards and and, and similar devices so Wow, interesting stuff. What actually? I, I do have one one more question. Um, do you have a favorite Ouija board? And you probably get this all the time. And I'm so I'm yes. I'm going to ask like the basic nerd question. Do you have a a favorite uh, Ouija board in your collection? And uh, and if so, why? He's looking around the room right now. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, told me this was going to be a question. Was, you guys were going to ask me. I was like, everybody asked me this question. And I was like, how do I list all these off? He's like a me? dragon. You know how dragons have different hordes of what sure. they collect? And then they sit on it. <laughs> and then they guard it with their lives. With him, it's definitely the boards. <laughs> I mean, each one is so unique. And honestly, even like multiples of the same board, not almost... You can almost never find one that's truly identical to the next. There's something different about each one. So I love each board. True. Um, but as far as, I mean, there are more unique ones too amongst amongst the horde. Um, <laughs> the horde. Uh, I do love Mitchies. They're very pretty because they're a little, they're slightly different. Uh, uh, the letters, the alphabet goes uh, in like a triangular mode, uh, arcing. But uh, I think that my Probably uh, my fate board 
is probably my favorite. Uh, it's from the 1940s and by the Carom Company, uh, and it's a it's a square board, and it's all wood, and but it's all made in like a circular motion. It has the zodiac around the outside and the alphabet, uh, the next layer in, and then there's some actual words and then numbers, and then yes, no, good, bad in the very center. Uh, so it has it has pretty much everything in there, uh, and I, I truly love like the zodiac and everything. We have a planchette that goes with it. And it's, it's very rare too. And, and it's pretty Neat. rare. I only know of one other person who has this board. The other ones are a laminate. Uh, it's like a greenish color. So I truly love our, my fate board. Probably is my favorite. That one is your favorite. Uh, I, I love my mind for that one. <laughs> Mine is as, as interesting as yours. Uh, my favorite is uh, the original Kennard Ouija board. And this is from 1891. And it is a pretty thick piece of wood and it back then the first wave of these boards were made in slats and they're held together by two extra pieces of wood nailed to the back of the slats so it's actually it's a solid board but it's held together it's on the back three, it's two pieces or three pieces yeah, depending on the depending size on uh, the, the, the veneer part is two to three pieces if it's the big size and the little mm-hmm. size and then the slats on the back are screwed in and uh and so it's actually got like a half an inch lift on it. I, I do love that one. It's, those are, that's that, yeah, nice. you bought that for me for a, a wedding anniversary. Yeah. And they're not, those are not easy to find either with the slats on the back. Usually they don't survive time. Oh, it's, sure. It's a very pretty board. It's a dark caramel colored and it has, you know, what they call the sun and the moon or the full moon and the crescent moon on the corners of the boards. There's no faces. In the moon, yeah. yeah. In the moon. Yeah. yeah, and I just love the history that I like to essentially imagine went through this board. Like, who was trying to talk to who? Who lost who? Mm-hmm. Who got scared along the way? Who wouldn't go in Grandma's attic because of this? And then eventually, it's in our home now. Oh, definitely. I, you know, I, I think there's something to owning a, a piece of history, regardless of of what it is. Because you're right; it sort of carries the the weight of its history with us and I, I think that that um, is fuel for our imaginations and I, I think it can really mm-hmm. fill us with a, a, a sense of, of wonder. Now is that the board that uh, you showed us at Haunted America? Because I remember that. I, th- I think it no, might have been. You guys, I think you held two different boards. You held the one that we let the public hold but right. I think because you guys came up at the end of the conference we pulled the one off the one shelf. Mm-hmm. Mm. Did I did I grab one off of the stands? You did. And yeah. hand it to you. Yeah, yeah I remember yeah, you was... you mentioning mentioning specifically that yeah. it had like the slats and everything. Yeah, yeah. that's my favorite. You got to hold my favorite. We, now I feel pretty cool, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's fantastic, baby. Excellent. Well, you know, honestly, thank you guys so much. Uh, we're already looking forward to to Haunted America, of course, uh, and we will see you there. Uh, everybody who has not picked up Volume 2 of The Feminine Macabre, you absolutely should. Uh, Deanna has a, a, a wonderful uh, 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 contribution to that work that I think everybody will enjoy. Um, and then as far as if people want to follow what you guys are doing, where where can they find you? Uh, right now we are on Instagram and TikTok at cryptids and crystals um i can go ahead and 
I guess send that to you guys. I'm not sure how that would be displayed. Oh, we'll, we'll we, put it in the no, show notes. Yeah, I mean, we we already like we don't need to list underscores, right? Like, we we know where to find you um, because we already follow you. But uh, but yeah, for everybody else out there, okay, so absolutely, you can look for him on on uh, social media, and we will add those social media links. And otherwise, hopefully, everybody listening who has any way to get out to hunt in America will do so and again can't recommend the feminine macabre enough um there's a volume three that is currently being worked on are open right now yes absolutely um you know any uh any any women and non-binary folks who are interested in the paranormal absolutely should take part of uh in this project it is it is a great project and uh yeah well thank you again mark and deanna Uh, we we had a great time. This it was a it was a real pleasure getting to talk to you. Thank you guys so much for having us on. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely. And to everybody else listening, stay weird. Yep, keep it weird, everybody. Ah. We'd like to give a special shout out to Kaylee Brewer and Andrew Frisk for their support in this episode. Thank you so much. We literally couldn't do it without you.